This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena no mai kiti korero e ranga etereo irarangi o natangata o Manawatu. It is the catch-up. It is Friday morning and that means that we uh, look to central government this week looking uh, at what Ian McKelvey, MP for Rangitiki, is doing. We also should say, as it's the first time we've spoken in 2022, Happy New Year, Ian. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Thank you. Hopefully it'll be a better year than last. Yes, uh, and the one before. I remember at the end of 2020, everyone hoping for a a prosperous and wonderful and improved 2021, and arguably it's been worse. Well, I think it's been a very difficult year in every respect. Um, uh, And for us politicians on the right-hand side of Parliament, um, not such a great uh, year last year. But nonetheless, things are on the up. Peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. Um, the um, the big news at the moment, uh, well, I mean, there's a number of big news items, but uh, the, the, the biggest one, I think, in terms of, um, well, the crisis that is uh, the volcano and subsequent tsunamis that uh, appear to have pretty much devastated uh, the kingdom of Tonga. Um, how How is the, the, is the National Party working with government on the response? Are you happy with the response or, or, or are there... Are are there criticisms to be laid at the, the speed at which we're, we're operating? No, I think that I think the situation's very difficult, and obviously, from even the defence forces are having trouble getting in there. So, uh, obviously, there's some challenges with that. So, no, I think we fully support the government in any action they can take uh, with respect to Tonga. I guess the thing that's um, amazed me a little bit, or not amazed me, but certainly puzzled me a little bit, is probably the lack of coverage we've had of exactly what has happened in Tonga, and I guess that's a uh, a sign of what is going on there because we haven't seen as much as we would have expected, I don't think. No, it's only at the tail end of this week we're starting to see pictures. Uh, and uh, I think I heard in the news uh, one of the, the ministers, uh, the relevant ministers, was saying part of the reason that we're not seeing a lot is that any coverage that the Defence Force has managed to gain has gone straight to the government of Tonga to help them deal with the situation. So only now we are starting to see it. And I mean, it, 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 a number of islands have just been devastated. It looks as though they may have been, doesn't it? I mean, it looks quite challenging. Yeah, I think (laughs) possibly an understatement. But again, the the other thing, and time will tell, but are you surprised at the, the, well, what I would call the surprisingly low numbers of of deaths and and serious injuries at this stage? Well, yeah, I think that's yet to be resolved, of course, as well, because I don't think we entirely know that. But but yeah, it is interesting that that, it doesn't appear to have claimed many lives, which Mm. is well, we'll watch with interest uh, as that unfolds. Um, looking to to your electorate, uh, Ian, and uh, in particular fielding, uh, obviously uh, the floods were the the main sort of news item there. And, and whilst that's a sort of local government response uh, issue, um, were were you affected in any way? No, but I have family members who've certainly been flooded in fielding, and uh, and from my perspective, I live out of town on pretty. Pretty uh, high ground. I've always lived on high ground, being Scottish. 
Um, the the um, uh, but yes, yeah, certainly in fielding, um, some residence is affected, uh, and I've got family who've had their house affected by it. But um, but on the whole, I think fielding's become pretty resilient, and and certainly 2004 put in place some infrastructure, which while it mightn't have worked perfectly right now, uh, in the latest latest flood, it did pretty well. And so protected fielding pretty well. But the other interesting thing about this last flood of fielding was the rain came in a very different place. And so you never know where the water's going to come from, and it came from the west or, or the northwest. The water came from the northwest, whereas historically it's come from perhaps the northeast. Mm. It's, it's one of those things, it sounds, it sounds ludicrous to say it, but it is quite accurate. It was the wrong kind of rain. <laughs> That's quite right. That's quite right, and it was very heavy as well. Um, have it's you... interesting. If you see where it went this year, this last flood compared to 2004 much higher in some places much higher mm. have have any of your uh any residents in the electorate come to you with any concerns around that or, or has it stayed very much in the local government domain oh, i think pretty much in the local government domain um obviously i was heavily involved in the early days of the last or well in all of the flood and the flood mitigation measures in the last flood uh, those early floods and and i think that's probably um you know, people will come to me when they think there's an issue that hasn't been dealt with properly, but on the whole, I think local government's done well with it. One issue that has popped up, and, and as spokesperson for forestry, maybe you can comment on this, but um, with the flooding uh, came this uh, issue that affects uh, ho- the whole of New Zealand. It's made headlines across the country over the years, that of the, the slash, the leftovers from forestry work that is left in, in great piles uh, in forestry areas. And then when something like a flood happens, it gets moved downstream and, and can cause quite significant damage. And it would appear that some slash was was a contributing factor to some of the, the, the effects in fielding over the break. Yeah, I think, I think that's a much lesser issue than it has been historically, although on the East Coast, obviously, you'll have read about the pretty big issues in the, on the East Coast with respect to that and the beaches. But, but I think that's on the whole being managed pretty well by the forestry sector now. I think the bigger issue is, is particularly in this area, and that's willow trees growing in the base uh, in the bottom of streams and things like that getting washed out and then getting caught on bridges and doing a lot of damage and, and, and culverts and things and blocking culverts and doing damage like that. That's the bigger issue, I think, now cause, because the, the council or the regional councils and the forestry sector itself have done a lot of work to mitigate uh, that slash issue. And, and certainly in the Manawatu or Horizons region, we shouldn't really be affected by that to a great extent now because the, the mitigation, issue, uh, mitigation measures taken are significant. And what are they? Oh, I think uh, uh, very clear um, w- when you get um, consent, which you need to get in a lot of forestry um, environments now, when you get consent, it clear, uh, there's some very clear measures that prevent slash being left in places where it can wash away. And, so, and, and also protecting the, the verges of streams and rivers like that uh, and, um, and those waterways so that you can't put uh, slash or can't drop trees in the wrong place and you can't put machinery through those rivers that, that would then uh, allow erosion to occur and things like that. So it's quite significant and, and I think I think a good job on the whole has been done of it. There, there is, interestingly, as a result of that, some places that forestry won't be harvested in, in the future. Oh, fair enough. Um, so th- just to be clear then, those consents, when they're issued, that takes into... 
uh, account significant flooding, not just high rivers? Because they, they, I, I would assume that if it said, don't put it where it could be washed away, all right, you're not going to put it in the shoreline, but you could maybe put it in a field adjacent. But that doesn't cover for significant flooding events. No, I, I think it will do, though, because on the whole, the topography of these forests is well known, uh, and I think that, that there will be particular care taken of that. In fact, I know there will be because um, <laughs> I get some of the forestry operators telling me what's going on, uh, obviously quite frequently. And, and when you go and visit their sites now, they're very different than they were 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, and, the, and the care taken is significantly different, and also the places where they store logs and and subsequently uh, drop the slash is, is um, much more um, much more controlled than it ever was before. We are here with Ian McKelvey, MP for Rangitiki, uh, the Governance and Administration Select Committee Chair and Spokesperson uh, for the National Party on Forestry, Racing and Seniors. Uh, we are on the catch-up. If you'd like to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Um, Ian, uh, has uh, obviously the tail end of last year, the National Party got a new leader, Christopher Luxon. Uh, has he been busy over the festive? Have you, has he been uh, issuing his missives and, and, and trying to affect the, the changes that he wants? Well, not so much as issuing his missives, but certainly he's been very busy and, and uh, I've never seen a leader of any political party in New Zealand out and about in the public uh, um, as early in January as he has been in uh, very large meetings in Hawke's Bay uh, in Auckland and, uh, and there'll be subsequent meetings in Nelson and um, Wairarapa and places like that. So he's had some very large public meetings already in the and, of course, for him, it's challenges to get known by the people, and the only way you get known by the people is get out in the street. Uh, and, and I think he'll be very well accepted because he's, he's not the same sort of political beast we're used to either. He's a, he's a much more, um, well, I suppose he's, he comes from a different sector altogether, and he's, he's very organised and... and um, a very impressive man. So I think he will appeal to people when they meet him. He has been he's been making some uh, quite significant inroads in addressing uh, I think what he's calling a, a sort of culture change within the National Party. I think one of the latest headlines I read was his desire to learn uh, more Toreo, something that he uh, was uh, championing when he was at Air New Zealand as well. Um, are, are you seeing any of the effects of this shift in culture yet, or is it going to take a little more time? Is there, uh, are some of of the uh, organisational cultures embedded uh, deeply in the National Party? Uh, I think anything he wants to change won't be embedded deeply in the National Party because I think the things that are embedded deeply in the National Party are the positive things. Uh, I think the, the things that need to change uh, from his perspective will be to get a, a new way. And, you know, one of the things that's annoyed me, and I think we've talked about this before, is I don't like the antagonistic manner that politics takes uh, Frequently, actually, more frequently than, than, than we realise. And he certainly won't be into that sort of thing. So that's the sort of uh, change I think he's talking about and that we need to be constructive. And if we're going to criticise, we have to be constructive and have an alternative. And those, um, those are things that traditionally politicians haven't been particularly good at. <laughs> and I think that that's, a, for me, that's an exciting change because it, it really means we might get to a point where if we're going to criticise the other person, at least we're criticising them with a strong base and some good research and a, and a good alternative. And of course, too, the main criticisms uh, being levelled at the government are the response to the pandemic and uh, the three waters reform. Uh, the National Party quite 
vocal and strong on on Three Waters reform. What can we expect in 2022 with regards to Nanaya Mahuta's desire to push this forward? Well, I'm not sure where they're at with that. Because, well, when I say that, I'm, I'm, they've certainly backed off to a large extent on that. And so it'll be interesting to see what the new agenda is in the new year because for that to come back to Parliament, it's got to go through a first reading and then go to Select Committee. Which so, so whatever happens, it would not come back into Parliament even if they get it through quickly unless they put it through an urgency, and they won't do that, I don't think. Uh, it won't come back into the House until late, late in the year. So... Um, our position won't change. Um, we are opposed to the centralisation of water services in New Zealand. I think it's, uh, um, well, the party thinks, and I think too that it's just totally unreasonable um, and not a sensible um, solution to a problem. We do, however, think the water regulator is a very good thing uh, and will support, continue to support that and will definitely continue to, put, to support some reform in the delivery of water services in New Zealand because... Some of our councils are seriously challenged by, by um, uh, their ability to do that, and it's not caused by um, <laughs> too big a population or too big an issue. It's caused by too small a population and too spread, a, spread uh, a society. And if you look at things like electricity distribution, for example, in the King Country, it's a massive challenge because you've got about six k's down a one-way road, and the end of it you've got a house with a, with a wire going to it. Now, the same thing applies to water in effect. effect and, and that just can't work the same as it, in Wellington as it does in uh, Rotherham, for example. No, I suppose so. And, and, and I guess the issue is in, in this area, um, people perhaps are not as acutely aware of the issues as some other councils because, as Helen Warboys is keen to point out, the Manawatu infrastructure is in very good shape. And uh, she is, uh, the Manawatu District Council certainly is sort of leading the uh, opposition of the Three Waters reform with the, uh, the newly developed uh, group of councils that don't want uh, this change to happen. But they do not speak for all councils, do they? Some councils do want to see this, and 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 some taxpayers and ratepayers want to see the reform go through as well. So it's not quite as cut and dry, is it? No, it's not. But I think also, if you look at the uh, financial state of those councils that, that are supportive of it, they think they're going to get some sort of a final, or their ratepayers think they're going to get some sort of a financial windfall out of this. In fact, they're not, because the same person is still going to pay the bill even under the new system, as paid as under the old one. So if your council's um, dragging the chain on this, <laughs> you're going to have a bigger bill in the future than, than the councils that aren't. And so from that perspective, um, Manawatu is very well placed because she's right, they have done a good job with their water and, and they are in good space with their wastewater and their uh, water stormwater is a different issue. But, um, but basically, um, I think that it's, this whole thing would be much better delivered regionally than centrally, and I think... We just need to get the the um, resource uh, in place to enable the capacity and the capability of the people involved in the sector to get to to work together. Mm. And the problem we've got at the moment is getting the capability into places like Martin and and uh, Taumanui are not simple. Um, as I said, the other criticism being levelled at the government, well, I mean, I'm sure there are many, but the, the main ones that are capturing headlines, of course, is the uh, pandemic response and the, uh, the, the developments, uh, you know, the new strain, the Omicron strain. Um, some people would argue that the response has uh, remains effective, if, you know, not perfect. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, what we should be ex- expecting in 2022 with regards to the pandemic response? Well, I think that the response is probably effective, but the, 
but the problem I think is that we haven't identified all the challenges that have resulted as well as, uh, that have resulted from the from the effective response and and you know I think of I think of all those thousands of people who have had have health operations um, you know uh, postponed because of it. Uh, those thousands of families that are split by uh, the fact that they can't get back to New Zealand and and right now there are some very uh, like quite critical people to the New Zealand economy stuck overseas who can't get back into New Zealand because of the changes that have been made just recently. And so I think we're just going to, it looks to me like we sit on the, uh, the fence a little bit in New Zealand and wait to see what happens in the rest of the world before we act. And I think that, you know, the, the discussion today, and that's an interesting one, is whether we allow Omicron to get here quickly and uh, get it over before the winter or whether we don't. And I mean, <laughs> At the end of the day, if you're going to do that, you might as well pull the borders down and just let, as the rest of the world are starting to do, and let the thing carry on. But the answer is not simple, Fraser, and uh, and so you know the government's got a challenge here. And and coupled with that, I mean, the the most convincing argument, uh, as far as I'm concerned, for people saying we we should keep the borders up, we need to be strict on this, is that if we do let the the virus run rampant across New Zealand, the health system is going to buckle because it's under pressure, under business as usual, let alone with a pandemic to deal with as well. Yeah, I think there's some truth in that. I, th- I think that uh, it's hard to dis- you know balance that. I do think one of the real theories of a of a of a large scale sickness or pandemic, is, or call it what you like, is that you end up with thousands of people not working. And then you get a breakdown in the in the um, work infrastructure in New Zealand. That would be a big challenge for New Zealand, I think. And that's one of the reasons you want to moderate this thing and bring it, you know, uh, bring it in as slowly as you can. If it's going to, in fact, come here and dis- and cause people um, distress and disability. So. And of course, not not to want to start the the new year off on on a, on a, a, a sort of pessimistic note, but uh, we we should be mindful as well that this is not the last pandemic we're going to face. The, the science community seems fairly uh, resolute in the notion that you know another one will come, uh, and we will have to do this all again. Is anyone working on? how that will work next time? Are there learnings from coronavirus and oh, COVID-19 that the government think, are taking on board? Well, I think there's no doubt that the National Party certainly are, and Christopher Bishop's done a lot of work in this respect, and I think that's one criticism you could very fairly level at this government, is, is that there doesn't appear to have been any uh, planning for this one, let alone the next one, and what the future might hold. And, and you know, if you look at MIQ, for example, whatever you think of it, it's totally... In, in, um, inappropriate that we should deal with that uh, in this manner in the future because we clearly need a bit of better system. Well, yes, yeah, so, I mean, is, is, is that, that we've done any work on? Is, is that something? I mean, I, 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 obviously, the the, the government uh, didn't have a plan for this one, but I, I mean, the word unprecedented was bandied around more times than was necessary in 2020 and 2021. So, I, I, that that criticism, you know, that could go either way. But certainly, moving forward, I mean, would the the National Party, should they come into power, would they see the the building of purpose built MIQ ready for the next time? I think I think almost for sure you would look at that. Uh, in fact, we've said we would look at it for this one, and probably we still would have looked at it for this one um, because I think that had you got on and and put some sort of facility like that in place, we would have, we would have overcome a lot of the problems we've had. And, 
And I think the fact that you've got to get the the, the um, defence forces, for example, to man, woman, or whatever you want to put these facilities and, and take people off. You know, they went into the defence forces to defend New Zealand, and I guess you could argue they're defending it from a pandemic. But I don't think that's their job to be standing guard on a security fence, stopping um, <laughs> perfectly capable citizens from uh, escaping into the <laughs> into the country. And so I think there's a whole lot of issues like that that we've used people where we should have been able to use facilities better and, and not need that kind of um, security around them. I'm obviously going to need security around them, but there must be better ways of doing it. Mm. Um, 2022, where I think everyone is hoping that this is going to be better than the previous two. Uh, what is on your sort of agenda or uh, on your uh, uh, radar for this year, uh, given that the world is changing on a daily basis? So, you know, you, you, might, have, uh, oh, well, but, you might have things you want to do, but you might not get to them. Well, I've got a pretty simple agenda, really, and that, that is my agenda based, is based basically around the, what I might call old people, but old people don't like me calling them old people, so it's around the seniors' portfolio that I have and putting in place some very solid policy going forward for for the National Party in that area because that, that, that those people, or and I'm one of them, are the biggest challenge New Zealand's got because there's almost, you know, almost a quarter of us could be categorised as, as seniors and we're um, swallowing up health money, we're swallowing up, uh, although uh, rightly so, I would never, criticize, I'd never um, question the uh, superannuation because, in fact, that's a, that's a right, I think, of every New Zealander who's, who's paid tax for years and years to be able to retire at 65 with some sort of superannuation. Unfortunately, now it's nowhere near enough. So we've got some quite big challenges in that area and the demands that... that as our population ages, that we're putting on uh, future generations' ability to develop New Zealand how they want. So I've got some big challenges in that area, and I'm looking forward to um, dealing with them. I've got my first little conference on that in uh, uh, the second week of February, or third week of February, actually it will be, which will be really interesting. So we've got some topics to deal with there. How do you how do you um, how do you go about getting the the information and, and coming up with the the ideas? You say you've got a conference there. Is that with advisors or is that with with seniors themselves? With seniors themselves, interestingly, and and actually we were we had a little call yesterday and they were questioning whether we shouldn't have young people involved in it. <laughs> we have got young people involved in it, but I think I think the challenges are pretty simple in the seniors area. One one big challenge is the fact that we're retiring with not enough income to support us because our life expectancy is much greater than it was. Uh, and so um, superannuation certainly doesn't give people um, any quality of life in retirement because the costs are too high. So there's some big challenges there. The health, we're over 50% of the total health budget is spent on seniors in New Zealand. Uh, that's a big challenge for the health system and, and paying that bill in the future, I think, we will have to find other ways of paying it. Now, whether that involves some sort of health insurance, some form of ACC-like type type um, arrangement or whatever. So that, that's just two of those areas. The other area that, that challenges seniors is enabling them to work longer and the compliance around working longer are put, is putting people off working, basically. And I think that a lot of us of my age want to continue to work. I don't want to have all the hassles of it. And you'll be working on this throughout 2022 and uh, hopefully announcing some things as part of a, an election campaign? Yes, that's the whole aim of it. And obviously we've had some discussion around some of these issues for many years now, but done nothing about it. And, 
And one of the things, and I'm not saying we're going to get to the point of, of changing it, but if you look at the superannuation eligibility age of 65, every other country in the Western world basically has changed theirs. We haven't. And we've had two Prime Ministers in a row saying that they won't change it under their watch. Well, um, you know, that's not going to change under my watch either, but, but we need to have a plan for the future. Mm. Uh, and, and I do think that, that people of my age are very much fitter than, uh, than they were in the previous generations. And so we're much more capable of continuing to work and, and, and contribute to society in a form that perhaps we weren't 30 years ago. If you learn anything between now and the election, would you be putting it to this current government to try and fix it? Or are you going to build your platform for the next election? Oh, oh no, I think, I think it's, that's another thing that I think uh, Christopher Luxon will change and that I think that we've historically in opposition, whether it's us or the Labour Party or whoever, have refrained from uh, giving away a good idea. Um, I don't think we're afraid of that any longer. I think that if they want to pinch our idea, provided we've espoused it well enough and, and we can claim it, then I don't mind that. And so, so whilst I doubt they'll take anything on board that, <laughs> that we've done, I do, th- I do think that there is an opportunity for us to... Um, you know, give them a few ideas and hopefully they'll do something with it. Um, speaking of the election, and I'll, I'll give you a very a couple of minutes at the end of this interview now to, to talk about it. I did see uh, on your Facebook page, I think, uh, the golf scramble on the 13th of February, uh, fundraising for the National Party. Well, political parties have spent their life fundraising because it's a very expensive business. And so, yeah, we have a golf fundraiser. We've had, we have a number of fundraisers. Actually, in fact, we had the day at the races before Christmas, which uh, I think about 80 people enjoyed their day out at the races. And um, we made a little bit of money out of it on the side and, um, and, and so did the racing club. So um, that's the whole idea. And we'll get people to Rangat- the Rangatira Golf Club, which is a beautiful part of New Zealand. Many people won't have been there um, so it's as much about promoting the Rangatikei as it is about um, making a little bit of money for the National Party and, and getting attention for the National Party. That's a political party's life, I'm afraid. Is there, a, is there opportunity for that sort of networking side of things as well and actually listening to the voters, or are you just wanting to have a fun fundraising day? Oh, no. I'm, I, <laughs> I think I spend my life listening to voters. <laughs> That's one of my biggest critics walking past the window right now. And I spend my life walking, listening to voters, and that's our job. Our job is to listen to people's point of view, whatever it might be. And, and certainly I don't have a point of view that's um, so strong that it won't be adapted by someone giving me a decent suggestion. Whether I can then change the National Party's point of view is another thing. <laughs> yes, well, well, all the best with that. Uh, Ian McKelvey, uh, MP for Rangitiki, we are out of time on the catch-up this morning, but thank you for joining us. A pleasure. There we go, Ian McKelvey, uh, MP for Rangitiki, joining us on the catch-up this morning. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, Stay tuned to 8.30 on Monday for another edition of the catch-up. Bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.